This episode of 1801 Live was originally recorded during a 12-hour podcast-a-thon streamed live on August 28th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The Give Black Podcast-a-thon benefited U of SC's One Creed, One Carolina campaign, which supports initiatives that elevate and encourage black students, faculty, and staff. Together, our five hosts and over 20 guests helped raise more than $10,000 for the campaign over 12 hours. Find more information on the podcast-a-thon and the link to donate at www.garnetmedia.org slash giveblack. I see we have our next guest is ready, but before I let him in, it's going Tommy Preston. So I know we talked about student government. We, Aiden and I also both met Tommy Preston at the same time at the Lane event. You remember that, Aiden? Oh, yes. The Lane event. Lane event, yes. Leadership and networking event. Oh, that was another thing we just we just ended up at. And that was our freshman year as well, right? I was just like, <laughs> again, we're in the room. We're freshmen, we're in the room. Can't believe it. And then we're just, oh, that was great. That was another great day. So I'm yes. This one for sure. I'm so excited. But before I let Tom Preston, I just want everyone to know, and I'll say this throughout the day, but we do have um, a $2,000 matching gift that was donated by Dr. Pruitt the vice president of student affairs at the university and so throughout the day he um has made a commitment to match up to two thousand dollars that we raised and so right now we are at one thousand and seventy five dollars because of previous donators or donors um through the time of me um and aiden just marketing this event and so that is initial but we have now correct me on my math $925 left to match for that but letting that not be the limit um let's let's keep going but now I will admit Tommy you ready Aiden? yeah let's do it there we go we got it. Okay, we were, I don't know if you can hear us, but we were loving the background. I was like, why did we think of this? <laughs> <laughs> got to represent, right? <laughs> how are you? Doing well, how are you? Good. I know that, uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on this podcast with Fawn today in order to raise money for the One Creed, One Carolina campaign. Um, I know that you are very busy, but I really do appreciate your time in order to tell everyone a little bit about your experience at USC and how it helped you get to where you are today. But um, I will let Aiden introduce himself first before we Absolutely. Yeah. How are, how are you? Doing well, Aiden. Good morning. Good. Good to see you again. We, we met briefly, I guess that was what, 2019, I believe. I think so. Yeah. yeah spring. So it's good to see you again. I'm glad you're, you're here with us today to, to talk and it's good to, good to reconnect. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So before we get started um, and the details of all that you have done, um, being at the university and then even afterwards, just giving, if you could give a brief introduction of yourself to the viewers, give a full background to see you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, Tommy Preston, uh, you know, it, for someone who uh, loves the University of South Carolina as much as I do, if you can believe this, uh, I grew up in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, I grew up in Tiger Territory and uh, spent the first 18 of my years uh, of my life as, as a Tiger fan. And 
uh, I remember today um, being on the horseshoe uh, visiting the campus with a friend who was actually going to Carolina. And, and I, I remember going home that night and said, I'm going to the University of South Carolina. And it, it really, that love affair with the university uh, has lasted all those years later. So uh, whether it was being student body president or president, of the alumni association uh, my wife and i met uh in law school uh you know i can uh, uh many of the jobs that i've had um, over the years uh came out of relationships that i made um, while a student uh or alum at the university so uh usc has been such a big part of my life uh from the moment i stepped foot on that campus and you know it's it's dear to me and and i'm really grateful and blessed to uh, be connected to usc yeah that's uh that's incredible you really kind of uh put your heart into uh, <laughs> the university and i'm i'm glad it's been able to give back and then help you know transform your life in the way that it has um so my my question is you know a student government guru here um how how did you get involved i guess from a from an early level into student government and then how did that i guess what talk about your journey to student body president yeah absolutely so um i was a student body president of my high school um, Daniel High School in Clemson, and uh, you know, oddly enough, when I uh, came to Carolina, uh, I said to myself that I wasn't going to do student government. I was looking for a different experience. I was the the typical, uh, you know, student government nerd, if if you could say. Um, did all the student leadership stuff at school. Went to Boys State. Went to Boys Nation. Did all those kinds of things that you'd expect. And. Uh, I remember being there freshman year and said, you know what, I think I'm going to try something different. But uh, there was a, a friend of mine who um, who was older, but uh, went to the same high school. Her mom was one of my favorite teachers, and she was really one of the few people that I knew from my hometown at, uh, at Carolina at the time. Um, and I think she was probably a junior or senior at that that time and she said you gotta do student government so she took me to the student government office introduced me to the then student uh government president and uh you know i got involved in freshman council through uh, through that experience and sort of moved my way up and and i will say i remember uh i was student body treasurer uh, junior year at carolina and uh, the student body president that year was uh, was also a black male. And I remember when it came time to talking about running for office, uh, there were so many uh, people who said there's no way that the university is going to elect two black student body presidents uh, right after each other. And, you know, in some ways that became uh, extra motivation for me to pursue it. But uh, it really, uh, you know, having that experience uh, as a student senator, as a freshman council member, as a, uh, a student body treasurer, you know, really prepared me for stepping into that role as president. And uh, it really was, uh, you know, still even to this day, one of the greatest experiences I've had in my life and, and just have an opportunity to uh, not only represent um, the student body of the Columbia campus, but as the student representative on the board of trustees, you represent all students that, on the USC campuses, and uh, you really do become a, a voice of uh, students across South Carolina. And, and I happen to be student body president in uh, in the year that we had the presidential primary for the uh, 2008 election. So you had candidates from both parties coming to South Carolina and, and, you know, 
surprisingly, they all wanted to meet with um, the student vice president of, of USC. So, uh, you know, everyone from Obama to Clinton to McCain to Romney, I mean, all of these people were coming into the state and, and you know, I had the opportunity to uh, talk to them and, and talk about issues that were important to students. So it really was a, an amazing experience. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. I was just going to follow up on that, I guess, to being in that role, I guess, what was, what was one moment where you were just kind of had like a, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. I can't believe I'm in this room. Like what was a, a moment as student body president where it was just kind of surreal for you? Yeah, I remember. Um, and I shared a story sometimes because it, I mean, it is one of those like surreal moments, but, uh, when I was, uh, uh this would have been, um, towards the end of my, um, uh, presidency, um, the then university president, Andrew Sorensen, and I were uh, invited to come do a, uh, a talk with, uh, with then Senator Obama. And, and I remember us driving and, and it was coinciding with an event that he was doing at Williams-Brice Stadium, out of all places. And the reason the event was at Williams-Brice Stadium was because he was doing a joint event with Oprah. So, you know, we're, uh, we're driving in the SUV uh, uh, from the Horseshoe down to Williams-Brice Stadium, and there are people lined up uh, along the road just waving, um, and they see this black SUV and the president of the university is in the front seat, and he, he turns around, and he says, I think they think that you're uh, Senator Obama. So uh, we sort of laughed at that, but then he said, uh, jokingly, he said, how about you just roll down the window a little bit and, and put your hand out? So uh, I did that, and we're in this black SUV with tenant windows, and I put my hand out, and of course my hand is uh, the you know, same color as uh, um, Barack Obama's, and people were just screaming, Obama, Obama, Obama. So, you know, I always say that that was my moment pretending I was president, but we got there to um, Williams-Brice Stadium, and, you know, you have um, Barack and Michelle and Oprah and Gail King and, and all of these uh, uh, individuals who are uh, sitting there we're in the back talking about education reform, and it, it really was one of those, those cool moments for me. And, uh, you know, even on the Republican side, uh, um, there was a, a guy running for president, Mike Huckabee, who was um, governor of Arkansas at the time, and now he's a uh, Fox News contributor and has a TV show and et cetera. And, and out of all and is he was the one that really took an interest in uh, engaging um, me and, and other students. And uh, even years after that, he and I still uh, stay connected. So yeah, it's interesting that sort of the strange bedfellows uh, experiences you can have when you're uh, student vice president at USC. That's amazing. I know that Dr. Edwards, I, she's probably going to laugh when she sees this, but she always tells us the story between you and another executive officer. And I guess you guys were preparing for a Constitution Day, but yeah. you and the other individual would not get into the car because you both wanted the seat her the back seat behind her seat because that's where the president of the United States would sit if he was in the car. That's too funny. That's too funny. Yeah, we had this this joke of um, and the, the other person was Ryan Holt, who was uh, vice president, uh, my vice president, and it had actually served as vice president the year before too. Uh, and uh, he and I had this always had this joke about uh, you know where one would sit uh, in a vehicle, uh, you know, pretending that we we're real presidents of the United States. All, again, all the geeky student government stuff, right? <laughs> yes, but I also, I just want to touch more on your um, 
your term or administration as student body president. But before that, it's clear that you're probably one of the most well-rounded individuals that have been through student government, from being a senator to being student body treasurer to being student body president. I mean, I haven't, at least in my three years, seen someone be so diverse within each branch of student government. So that is amazing. But I just want you to talk a little bit more about the things that you've accomplished as student body president. I mean, the 16 uh, credit hours without tuition being raised, the grade forgiveness, and even created at the time SGTV, which stood for student government TV. So can you please just talk about all of the amazing things that you do? These are huge systematic changes. And I feel like as student leaders, sometimes it's hard to see the finish or see how our impact or how we can um, advocate on that level and actually make those changes happen. And so if you can go through all that you did. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I appreciate that. And you, man, you've done your homework there. Um, I, I will tell you, you know, when I think about uh, our experiences all those years ago, and I, I think about what you all are going through now, and, you know, Hannah, I, I watch you from afar and just uh, uh, what you and the current administration's dealing with. And I mean, you're, you're dealing with pandemics and uh, racism and, and, you know, campus tragedies and, and things like that. We, you know, I guess we had a, a period of uh, peace and tranquility in, in some ways um, because we, we didn't experience those things. And I, I often think about, uh, you know, I, I don't envy you by any means, uh, but I, I, I do look at just the level of maturity and, and passion that you all have for, for your service that I think is uh, very admirable and very different from the, the time when we were serving uh, you know, you, you when uh, when I became student body president, one of the or, or even the year before that, as student body treasurer, you know, one of the the mindsets that I had going into those roles is how can we be a strong voice for students? Uh, and again, not only students uh, at the Columbia campus, but students across the across the state. So, you know, I remember um, you know, creating Cocky's Reading Express, uh, and 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 that was uh, very focused on. Uh, trying to you know, combat illiteracy in South Carolina, or you mentioned the grade forgiveness program, which uh, at that time, and it's hard to believe this today, but it, uh, at that time, you could take a class, uh, fail a class, and you know that grade was going to stick with you for the rest of your college career, and we were able to change that policy, and it was the first time that a student uh, drafted policy had ever gone through the faculty senate, so now, if you make one bad mistake, you retake that class, and in that second grade, is the great calculated towards your GPA, not the first to, you know, what a, a great sign of redemption for students on campus or, uh, you know, the most controversial thing, uh, I, I think is, um, working with the mayor of Columbia at the time, uh, trying to, um, uh, institute a, uh, a new smoking policy. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was as a, a senior in, in college received death threat for the first time in my life from people who were really upset of us taking positions on issues like that. And, you know, it's just a norm now that you, you don't, you don't smoke in public um, places or in buildings. And that wasn't the case at the time, but it, it is all those kind of things. And I, I really tell you, I'm, uh, you know, when I come back to campus and I hear the fact that students are still participating in, uh, in Cocky's Reading Express, or you're still having your um, your meeting, your Senate meetings in the Senate chambers, which we created during during that time that I was around, or uh, or the, the Congressional Advisory Board, which sends students to Washington D.C., was created during during that time. It, it 
really is. I mean, when we think about our service and student government, uh, you know, we all think about legacy. What impact are we going to leave on our campus for, for our peers? And, uh, and it's those things, being able to come back and see that is pretty cool. Two other things, I think, uh, you know, again, different times, but, you know, similar issues. Uh, you know, textbook prices were uh, really going up uh, during that time. And, and you know, we, we fought against the textbook distributors. Uh, uh, and, you um, and it was interesting getting uh, getting some national attention there, and even having uh, some of the textbook uh, uh, manufacturers, uh, you know, going on news or sending us later uh, letters to uh, criticize our efforts because they had not had students pushing back on them about the, the high cost of uh, of textbooks. And uh, we created some textbook adoption programs um, uh, on campus to help reduce that financial burden for for students, which was uh, really cool. Uh, and then, you know, oddly enough, for a, 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 you know some college students, um, the governor at the time, who um, very nice guy, but um, uh, was um, was not, uh, I should say, very pro public education, uh, had a, a plan to um, close down some of our USC sister campuses, and we spent the year having to fight that. And I remember sitting in his office and, and getting the courage to say, you know, as he was presenting his plan to us, to, to say, Governor, uh, you know, we have an obligation to fight against this plan, and and we did that. And uh, you know, it, it definitely took me out of my comfort zone quite a bit. And you know, it was one of those moments of courage to stand up and and do what what we felt was right. And you know, it's great that still to this day, all those campuses are there because uh, college students around the state rallied together and, and, and fought for uh, what we knew was the right thing to do to ensure that students had access to uh, uh, to high quality higher ed, no matter where they lived in our state. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you obviously you share a lot of experiences and you just said like you had to step out of your comfort zone a lot in that presidency. And I kind of want to shift gears to your other presidency um, with the uh, Alumni Association. And you were not only the, the youngest president, but also the first person of color as president. And those are I mean, that's a space that I think stepping into being youngest and first person of color is just, you know, that's, that's unheard of. And that's really kind of, you know, obviously presents a lot of challenges. So um, I'd love for you to just talk about, again, your journey to that position and then uh, maybe elaborate more on um, some of the difficulties you faced in that role and who you turned to for guidance and, and help, um, you know, during your time as, as president. Yeah, what what a great question. Uh, you know, I'll tell you as um, you know, I became uh, president in, in 2016. So you know, for many, it, it seems um, so surreal or um, in some ways disappointing that it took that long to have uh, have a black person as as president of uh, an alumni that had been around uh, since our uh, 1800s. But I'll tell you, just uh, as a testament to the change that we've seen within our, our university uh, over the years, that um, it just, uh, when that moment happened, it, it was just it was just natural. It, it wasn't a lot of fanfare, and, and we tried not to make it uh, uh, as big of a deal. And, and maybe some ways we should have done more there, I don't know. But uh, it was just natural that... Um, someone who had been involved in the alumni association, even as a student uh, would have the opportunity to, to serve as president. And, and I really get, um, give a lot of credit to 
um, two former um, alumni association presidents, Lee Bustle and, and Paula Harper Bethay. And Paula actually uh, um, preceded me as president. Uh, these were two individuals who uh, got me involved in the alumni association because they saw that we needed more diversity. We needed to think differently about the way that we served our, our alumni and, and really um, and pushed me to, to go into leadership and, and be engaged at a different level. So uh, those are people that always will, uh, you know, sh- show gratitude uh, for their support and guidance uh, over the years. But I'll tell you, um, you know, one um, fact that I did not know until uh, literally after I served as uh, as president of the association is that I was the first person of color in, in the Southeast uh, to serve as president of, of a alumni association. And I sort of chuckled when I heard that fact because I, I was like, you know, it really was a lonely experience uh, those two years because uh, uh, there's uh, no one like me there. And, uh, as great as the experience was and, you know, having the opportunity to be the voice of alumni and to help guide the, the, the future direction of the alumni association, which I, you know, I, I was adamant in saying, uh, you know, our, our student body, um, our alumni base is getting younger, it's getting more diverse. And, you know, we, we really needed to make sure that our program services, the way we engage, the way we communicate, it really reflected our university and, and the alums of our university. Uh, we had a great new alumni center, but, uh, you know, one of my focuses was really to, uh, you know, not emphasize the building so much, but uh, really focus on what we can do inside that facility. Uh, the fact that we had high tech technology uh, gave us the opportunity to connect with uh, those students and alums in, in ways that we never had before. So, you know, that, having that opportunity and then serving as the um, the uh, uh, alumni representative on the board of trustees was just uh, an amazing experience and, and really at a critical time, too, because, uh, you know, there were there was only one person of color on the board at the time uh, and she's still there, Leah Moody. And, you know, it was the first time that you had two African-Americans in a long time or maybe ever um, on a board of trustees um, together. So, uh, you know, it really was a a great experience, but again, lonely because, uh, you know, there really wasn't anyone to turn to who had had a shared experience. Uh, You know, I really all throughout life, I, I lean on my, our former president's club. We actually have a club of former student body presidents, and that includes everyone from Mayor Steve Benjamin to Jataka Edie, who I know uh, you guys are talking to later today. And uh, those are people that, you know, in times of uh, uh, stressful periods or uh, times of, um, of concern, that those are the people that I've often gone to uh, to seek guidance and, and just have, uh, have uh, those people who you know are always going to have your back. That, that is amazing. And just from it's kind of like what next? Like you have really broken barriers from coming in from as a freshman to then um, becoming student body treasurer, then student body president, and then still advocating um, for a better university through being the president of the Alumni Association. But I want to talk a little bit about your position with uh Boeing. And so being the director of national strategy, engagement and government operations, if you could talk a little bit about what your day to day looks like and what all you do within that role. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, uh, uh, funny story, though, uh, of how I got to Boeing. I was, uh, uh, when I was a law student at Carolina, I was reading in the newspaper um, about um, a new entity that was created in a, a law firm, um, a really popular law firm in, in Columbia. And it was an economic development and public policy group. And um, that was right at my alley. So uh, I reached out to uh, one of the attorneys there who had been mayor of Columbia when I was student body president and um, and asked if I could come in uh, and clerk or intern uh, in the office in that group. And they had already made their selections for uh, for summer clerks. And uh, I, I just said, hey, can I come and do it for free? So I had a free internship that ended up leading into a job. And, and because of that job, uh, uh, Boeing became one of my clients. And, um, you know, actually, my two biggest clients were um, Boeing and Google. Um, so have an opportunity to, to represent these two uh, uh, multinational uh, companies was uh, was really an awesome experience. But uh, I remember uh, one day I was on summer vacation and I get a call from from um, Boeing's DC office and I knew the, um, the number and I didn't answer the phone because I thought I had done something wrong. And I was thinking through my head, what did I do wrong that I'm about to get in trouble? Uh, um, but uh, when I, I called uh, the executive VP back, um, who's uh, one of the most senior leaders in the Boeing company and my heart's racing as we're having this conversation. And he just said, Tommy, you're coming to work for me. And that became the, you know, the transition in, into Boeing. And, and really my, my job is, uh, you know, we're really fortunate, uh, to have on one of our uh, airplane manufacturing facilities in South Carolina, we built the 787 Dreamliner and it's the first time in the history of aerospace that, um, that we're, um, build in uh, airplanes outside of the Seattle, Washington area. So just the history of, of, uh, of that is, is really neat in itself. Uh, so there's only three places in the world that builds wide body commercial airplanes. And uh, that's us uh, in South Carolina, Seattle area and, and Toulouse, France uh, with our, our competitor Airbus. Uh, so my job really is centered around um, what is the future of um, Boeing's presence in South Carolina look like? Um, in some ways, I feel like I'm the Boeing ambassador for South Carolina. And uh, in other ways, it's uh, creating partnerships and, and strategies for um for our, our future operations here and in other places for that matter. But uh, it really is, uh, it's a really neat position um, because I not only get to think about the now, I get to think about the future. That's amazing. Well, we I know we have only a few more minutes, but I just wanted to um, bring it back full circle. So we are here to hear about um, your amazing experiences and just the Black excellence that has come through the university, but also here to raise money for the One Creek, One Carolina campaign um, to uplift the programs that help Black students, um, like ourselves and like you were formerly. And so I know there are many different programs and scholarships that are um, being amplified through this program, but you also making a lot of systematic change while you were here and continuing to advocate for the best university. Can you please share a little bit about is how important it is for us to begin these campaigns and spark this awareness, especially during this time, in order to amplify marginalized communities. 
Absolutely. So, you know, if you think about the history of, of black students at Carolina and, and, and really, um, I think about the time on September 11th, 1963, when Robert Anderson, uh, James Solomon and Henri Monteith um, stepped foot on campus as the as the three um, first um, black students uh, after Reconstruction. And you look at that time in 63 and you look at where we are now, there's no doubt that there's been a lot of progress made. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, student body vice presidents who are um, African-American. We have, uh, you know, leaders who are doing amazing things uh, within the university and beyond the university. Uh, and this institution is changing lives for, for people of color every single day. So um, there's no doubt that we've made progress. But, you know, in, in 2020, when you still look at the fact that South Carolina uh, has a, uh, a population of about 27 percent African, American, um, yet our student population is uh, less than 10%. Uh, it shows that we have a problem. And I, I think that uh, access to college is still an issue for a lot of people, but particularly uh, students of color, um, particularly those who are first generation people who uh, you know are growing up in rural areas of, of South Carolina. So uh, we need to do better there. Uh, we need to make sure that when people see the University of South Carolina, they see themselves in the university, they realize that uh, that there's a place for them uh, in that institution. Um, you know, I've always been uh, a big believer, and uh, and I love the idea that this uh, that this uh, campaign is centered around the the Carolinian creed uh, because that that creed. Uh, really is a set of values that guide us as students on campus, but we're expected to take those uh, those values with us throughout our lives. And um, there is a special bond that, that we all Gamecocks share. And I, I think we all have an obligation to look at some of these um, uh, systematic problems that exist uh, in, in this case, as I mentioned, uh, the student population, and we got to do something about it. Uh, and, and I think this campaign gives us the opportunity to do that. Uh, it's not just about giving money. It's about making sure our voices are heard and being engaged in, in conversations and in pushing the university, whether it's the administration or the board, to um, be uh, much more focused on these issues. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been impressed with with President Caslin and his administration so far, just the the diversity we've seen in uh, in, in university administration over the last uh, uh, last year, uh, I think will ultimately help us to be better because you have those different voices at the table, uh, the decision making table. I'm a big fan of uh, Hamilton, so the room where it happens, uh, you have more black and brown faces in the room where it happens now. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, about that. But uh, you know, I think this campaign gives us all an opportunity to, to come together and, and, and really speak up and, and be engaged in, in change. And, and that's what this is all about. And, and I, look, um, I admire what y'all are doing and, and look forward to being part of it too. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. I know we had, you're our now second guest of the day, but we are going to ask everyone, including our guests and ourselves, if you are willing to donate to the One Create One Carolina campaign, that would be amazing. Anything counts from a dollar all the way up to the highest contra contributions. Uh, actually, Dr. Pruitt um, is, has a matching gift of $2,000. And so we can write up to that and he will match it. But anything helps as well as if you can um, amplify the podcast on in the One Creed, One Carolina campaign on your network, that would be amazing as well. But thank you so, yeah, so, so much. 
Absolutely. Well, I know my buddy Mo Brown is uh, coming up uh, next. So tell him hello for me. He's he's an awesome guy, and and what a great lineup for the rest of the day. So I'm really proud of y'all, um, uh, Aiden, you, and all the cool uh, communication stuff you're doing, and Hannah, just the tremendous leadership you're providing on our, on our campus. Keep up the great work, and know I'm always here to support you. Thank you so 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 much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, take care, guys. Y'all have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Honestly, legendary. Every we can hang up. We can, we can leave. And we can stop the podcast. We can leave. Have, y'all, are y'all doing it? I'm good. I'm good. Every oh, time my gosh. Every time. I know that's, that's, I mean, I say that, like, I talk to him all the time. That's my second time hearing him share his story. I learn something new every time, and it's just as inspiring every time to be the first in so many spaces and, you know, one of few in so many spaces to be such a pioneer and a trailblazer. And he really, I don't even think he realizes how, how much of a trailblazer he is, which is just so, it's just amazing to see it and see, you know, the person he's become and grown into. And it's just uh, inspiring is the only word. I have. So inspiring. I know like all of the things that he has done. And I really, like, I wanted to take a moment just to take it in, you know, but it, we only had 30 minutes. So I was like, okay, I need to get as much as I can from right. him because this is, this is some key time, but, yeah. um, that's amazing. And then I actually, I didn't realize that he was one of two black presidents back to back. And so that to me was different as well. Like, oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah.